0: If you have your Bible with you today, please open them to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. And when you find your place in God's Word, if you would be standing as we read our text for this morning's message. Acts chapter number 9 in verse 1. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Then the Lord told him what he was supposed to do in the verses that followed. If you skip over to verse number 17, we find a man named Ananias who ends up meeting Saul a few days later, where the scripture says in verse 17 of Acts 9, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. A great change had taken place in Saul's life between verse number 1 and verse number 17. In another passage of scripture in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul said that I was before a blasphemer. But now this man Ananias calls Saul a brother. So we're going to be preaching a message entitled, From a Blasphemer to a Brother this morning. Let's bow for prayer. Father, bless the preaching of thy word. Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts of people. We need your help. Lord, we can't solve problems. We can't meet the needs in the hearts of people. There's a lot of people that sit before me today, and Lord, all of them have needs. We pray, Lord, that you'd meet the needs of our hearts this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This man Saul became the Apostle Paul, and by the end of his life, you barely can recognize who he was when he got started. But when we read in our text this morning, in verse number 1 and 2, that in the midst of this story, Saul was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, and he had went to the high priest He desired letters from the high priest. See, these high priests hated Jesus Christ. And they hated the followers of Christ. They were trying to extinguish the message of the Lord from the face of the earth. That's how much they hated it. Now, if you consider the distance between Jerusalem to Damascus, probably on foot, you're looking at at least a five-day journey. This morning, I went to a trusted source, sometimes. The source of Google. And I said, how far is it between Jerusalem and Damascus? And it said, one site said, 125 miles. Listen, 125 miles on foot is a long way. And if you're willing to leave Jerusalem on foot to chase people down and put them in prison, and not only did they say that, the Bible says it was men and women. Now you got to be a scoundrel. To be going after women who believe on Christ and take them 125 miles on foot back to Jerusalem and put them in jail. You've got to really have some hatred in your heart in order to do that. We're first introduced to this fellow Saul about a a page or two before in my Bible. If you have really small fine print, you might have to turn back two pages to get to Acts chapter 7. But if you turn back to Acts chapter 7, this is where we are introduced to this man whose name was Saul. Saul. What we know about him is that he was a violent man. He was a hateful man. He was also a religious man. He thought he was on the Lord's side. In Acts chapter number seven, you find the sermon of Stephen. Stephen was chosen in Acts chapter six to be one of the deacons in the first church, the church at Jerusalem, the church that Jesus started. The Bible said that Stephen was a man who was full of faith and wisdom. And he was basically taken into custody for preaching about the Lord. The same people who put Christ to death were very motivated to shut him up so that they wouldn't preach about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they took him by force. And if you read through Acts chapter 7, it's a lengthy passage. But Stephen preaches one of the most articulate messages that any man could have preached about Jewish history. He took them from their father, Father Abraham. And he took them through the days of Joseph and Moses and David and Solomon. And basically told the Jewish people that every single person that God had ever sent to them, they had rejected. It was not a flattering message. He wasn't patting them on the back and telling them how good they were. But you have him, and basically, when he gets through reciting Jewish history, in verse number 51, he looked at them, and he said something very cutting to them. He said, you are a stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in ears. This would be like you coming to your children and saying, you are acting just like your mother. Amen. Or your father, if you're on the ladies' end of the business. Never a good thing to say while the other one is present. Not a good idea. If you don't get it, you're not married. It's okay. But we know that Stephen began to really call out some things in this passage of Scripture. He said, You're stiff necked and uncircumcised and hard ears. As your fathers did, so do ye. In verse 52, he said, Which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been betrayers and murderers. He said, You all betrayed Christ and you murdered Christ. Guys, this was a bold message. He knew that these men had the authority to kill him. And he looked them, square in their eyeballs, and he told them the truth. And here it is that we, are in, that we are introduced to this man whose name was Saul. The Bible says in verse number 58 of the same passage in Acts 7, it says that they had cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Basically, Saul was holding the coats. Oh, you're going to go and stone Stephen? Let me watch your coat for you. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1, it says very clearly in verse number 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death. You know what God has to say about a religion that's like this? It's not worth a plug nickel. These hateful people who wanted to silence others, who didn't agree with them, wanted to kill people. All in the name of religion. They didn't agree with what they said. They wanted to shut him up. And now we're going to kill you because you're speaking in the name of the Lord. This is who Saul was. He was a hateful man. He was consenting to the death of Stephen. He thought it was a good thing that Stephen was being stoned. Now, I don't know about you. But personally, I believe that if I were to witness someone having stones thrown at them until they breathe their last breath, it would probably affect my heart. I think if I saw someone die, a human being die, that it would affect my heart. I mean, folks, I have a soft heart anyway. Years ago, me and my family were living just outside of Chicago and my wife called me and she started the conversation out by saying, I have bad news. Now, whenever your wife calls you and says, I have bad news to start a conversation, I can assure you that it's not good news that's following. I was out trying to help a young man in my church find a wedding ring because he wanted to propose to a a woman that he wanted to get married to. Thankfully, they have six children now, and they got married just fine. But I was out there trying to help him find a wedding ring, and she told me that my beloved dog, Oscar, had been let out of the house, and he got run over in the road on a Sunday afternoon. Now, listen, my heart was touched. I love that dog. I cared about that dog. Now I have not I don't love that dog the way that I love my wife, but I did love the dog. He's like a part of our family. For me, that day was and, and the man who I went out and got the wedding ring with helped me bury that dog right next to the church. I could still take you to the spot. And I want to tell you something, we were leaving for church camp the next day. I wept as I laid my Oscar into the ground. I love that dog. He was a he was a Beagle Chihuahua mix. We called him a bewawa or a chew eagle. He was a miniature beagle. When I watched football, he was on my lap. That dog was obedient. We were living in a house that was connected to the church, and if ever the door to the church was left open, Oscar was obedient. He would sit down right at the door. He would never go into the sanctuary. Dogs don't belong in the sanctuary. I, I've never thought about a service dog yet, but you know, I had, had, had a guy ask me once if his dog Moses could come and be in the church service. He was a German shepherd. I said no. In any event, now we're totally off track. What I'm saying is I have a soft heart. I have a soft heart towards these things. I mean, if my dog passes away, I weep, okay? You think that I could stand there as a man, a human being, was stoned to death and say, good. And what was his crime? Telling him the truth. Telling them that their religion was worthless telling them that they had murdered a holy man named Jesus and that was true they did that Amen. this was who he was a man who in acts chapter number 9 was still breathing threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord and he was willing to travel probably 125 miles on foot in order to chase people down and bring them back to prison this is who he was but God had other plans <laughs> aren't you thankful that, you know, the end of the story isn't found in verses number 1 and true, one and 2. You know, if, if he would have died in verses 1 and 2, if he would have gone out into eternity, he would not have gone to heaven. He would have died a lost man. But God had plans for this man, Saul. I hope that he has plans for you as well. It was by devilish means that Stephen was taken into custody. And when Saul heard this message, I have absolutely no doubt that God began to work in his heart the things that he had seen. And the scripture goes on to say in verse number 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now we're going to stop right there and tell you that the same thing that happened to Saul is not going to happen to you. The Lord's not going to speak to you with the voice that came out of heaven. And let me explain to you why. Because we have a Bible. That's right. If you're not willing to listen to the Bible, the Lord doesn't need to do some miraculous thing to win you to Himself. Christ has done everything that He's ever going to do for you to get saved when He died on Calvary's cross. If you don't receive Him, you will, you will do that to your own peril. Because at the end of your days you will stand at the wrong judgment before the Lord will he, where he will say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. That includes people that sit on Baptist church seats. It doesn't matter what side of the road you were born on. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. If you don't get saved before your day is done, you will, you will end up at the wrong judgment, the great white throne judgment. And no one goes to heaven who stands at that judgment. But what I'm saying is if you're still sitting here and you're breathing and you're, you're of cognitive abilities, you're hearing what I'm having to say, God has something to say to you. And just as he did to Saul, God can do something in your life today. This was a unique situation. He's on his way to do harm to the Lord and to his people. And the Lord shone this light around him. This light was so bright that it was blinding to Saul. The Bible says in verse 4 that he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now it's a great question because who was Saul going to persecute? He was going to persecute men and women, anybody who was of that way. So he was persecuting people who loved the Lord and Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Because those were the Lord's people. Those were God's people that he was against. And the Bible says, in verse 5, he asks the Lord to identify himself. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said something very plain to him. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He said, I am Jesus. This same Jesus, just a few pages before in your Bible, would have been crucified on Calvary's cross. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It was Jesus Christ who he said, you're persecuting me, Saul. And Saul must have known that anybody that had the power to shine a light like this down from heaven had to have been somebody in control. Nothing like this had ever happened to him before. And then the Lord said something to him that only the Lord would have known. Where he said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now that's not really something that's said today. Modern day vernacular, it's hard for you to fight against me. It's hard for you to fight against Holy Ghost conviction. I remember as I sat in a Baptist church pew for many years. And my pastors would get behind the pulpit and preach God's word. And I knew in my heart that I was lost. And there would be a burning in my heart. I told the staff here when they were interviewing me and they'd opened up a closet door to the church uh, in the church pastor's office here and I saw a picture of a, of a sign that I saw when I was a kid. Right at the bottom of the basement stairs at the Warren Baptist Church in Warren, Michigan, there was a sign with a, a verse out of the book of Mark and it said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I would go home as a little child, seven, eight, nine-year-old boy, and I would think about that. What what would it matter if I became a millionaire, a billionaire now? What would it matter how much money I make if I lost my soul? And I would think about that during the the evening, and and God would, you know, use these things in my life. And as the preaching went forward, and, and, and I knew that you were either lost or saved, and I knew that I was lost. I thought, what would happen if I go out into eternity lost? There were days where I felt that convicting power of the Lord and I didn't respond. I didn't go down front. You know, you don't have to come down to the altar and get saved, although it's good for you to do that. You could get saved in your church pew. You can get saved beside your bedside. I knew a man who got saved on the back of a tractor because the Lord got a hold of his heart there. You know, it, you know, you can get saved anywhere, but you need to get saved. Yeah. Yeah. And what the Lord said to Saul was, it's hard for you to fight against me. Now, if you're lost here today, you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You've never been saved by the grace of God. God could be doing this to your heart. You could feel a burning in your heart where you may not know me and I may not know you. But you know it's not me that's speaking to you. It's God Almighty telling you you need to get saved. Something inside of me when my pastors would preach would happen inside of me where I knew that this wasn't the preacher talking, it was the Lord talking. It's hard to fight against that. Now you may leave the church house today lost. But if you do, I hope that conviction follows you. I hope the Lord follows you wherever you go and that you get saved before it's eternally too late. He said, it's hard for you to fight against me, Saul. In verse number 6, it says, And he, trembling and astonished, said something really different than verses 1 and 2 here. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, I would submit to you that that is the cry of a saved man. That's actually the attitude of someone who gets saved. What do you want me to do, Lord? Nowadays, we have sold people on this idea that they could get saved and never have that attitude. They've never had an attitude of, Lord, what do you want me to do? I could just pray a prayer and then just go on living my life, my way, however I want, do whatever I want. No, 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 no. That's not Bible salvation. Somebody probably sold you a bill of goods. Anybody ever t- sold you something that didn't work? Ever, any, somebody ever sold you something that you never got? That just happened to me over Christmas. I'm not going to start commiserating. I'll need to come down here and ask the Lord to forgive me. Well, what I'm saying is, is that when you get saved, there should be an attitude in your heart of, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, keep in mind here, there's no sinner's prayer with Saul. He went from being a blasphemer... To all of a sudden saying, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm trusting in you. I believe in you. Hey, you got a hold of me now. Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord tells him, he said, go on, get into Damascus. It'll be told you what you're supposed to do. Now, isn't it amazing how that Saul, after he gets up, he winds up in Damascus. The Bible says in verse number 7 that God did something for Saul that he didn't do for the other men that were journeying with him. He took a company of people with him, but... The only person who got anything out of this was Saul. And that's amazing too, because I've gone to church with a bunch of people before, and I've seen them fall out, never darken the door of a church again, and they live godless lives and godless lifestyles. Somehow God got a hold of me. Sometimes, Somehow it's still working in me. Somehow that that salvation that God brought to me is still working here. But those men heard the voice, but they didn't follow the Lord. The Bible says he rose to the earth, he couldn't see. Verse number eight, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. This is exactly what the Lord told him to do in verse number six, go into the city, it'll be told to you. Bible says in verse number nine, that he wasn't eating or drinking for these days. And in verse number 10, we have another key player in this story. His name was Ananias. He was a certain disciple in verse number 10. He was at Damascus. The Bible says that the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he says, I'm here. Verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. God saw Saul praying, and now God's working in Ananias' life for him to go and give Saul a message. He said, Ananias, in verse 12, this man who's praying has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that, are co- that call on thy name. <laughs> What's Ananias doing? He's being told to the Lord, hey, I'm going to use you here. He's saying, wait a second, Lord, you sure about this? God ever told you to do something and you asked the Lord if he was serious? (laughs) Maybe you're mistaken. And the Lord tells him, he tells Ananias, the Bible says in verse number 15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias did what the Lord said. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul. Now that's saying something now. You you may wonder why we call people brother and sister around here. That's because we're a part of the same family. The family of God. You know when we get saved we become a part of the family of God. We receive the Holy Ghost inside of us. And the Lord turns us into brothers and sisters in Christ. We become a part of the same family. You know, it's good to be a part of a good family. Now, some of us have families and they're all a mess. Anybody have a messy situation with family? You got issues going on and, man, we don't know how the Lord's going to solve this. But I want to tell you something. If you're saved, you've you've got a natural family and then you've got a church family. You should have a church family. You know... All of a sudden, Paul became, or this Saul, he became a part of another family. He became a part of the family of the Lord. And this Ananias believed what the Lord had to tell him. And when he came in, he looked at this man who had great authority from people, enough authority to kill him and put him in prison. And when he put his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul. You see, he hadn't got a chance to clean his life up yet. He was probably still wearing the same clothes as he was three days earlier. He didn't clean it up. He didn't change everything that was a part of his life by this time, but he was called brother immediately. You know why? Because he was a part of that family. Now, I want to to encourage you today to think about these things during the last few moments of this this morning's sermon. Have you had a Damascus Road experience with the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, sometimes, and and I'll say this, not everybody's going to be as... What Paul was I personally don't have any affinity towards killing someone before I got saved or 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 assenting to the killing of someone before I got saved but I did know what it was to disobey my parents I did know what it was to sin against the Lord I knew what it was like to have unrighteous thoughts You don't have to get as wicked as wicked can be in order to get saved. Some of you young people who are born and raised in church and you might have it in your mind that you need to go out and sow your wild oats. You know, you really don't have to go out and do that. You don't have to go out and see all that the devil offers to people and mess your life up real good before then you come back to get saved. You can get saved in the days of your youth. That's why we ought to have as many young people and children coming into the church as possible. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Because he wants children to be near him. Children can be saved. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you don't have the faith of a little child, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You've got to receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child. And so, when it comes to this Damascus road, you don't have to be as wicked as Saul in order to have a Damascus Road experience. But we have a group of people today whose lives were heading in this direction. They were without God. And by the way, all of us are born in that direction. No one in this room is born saved. No one in this room was born loving the Lord. You were born loving you, yourself. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? Well, you know who it is. It's me. I am. No, many young children are the same way. Don't you tell them no. You can tell when someone's real selfish to determine if they can take no for an answer. Every child in this room needs to learn how to take no for an answer. We got several amens there. Some of you young people didn't like that. You don't always get your way in life. But we have a group of people today who their life is heading in this direction. We're not born saved. We're born in a state where we are lost. We need to be born again. Jesus talks about this in John chapter number 4, that you need to be born of water and of the Spirit. Those are two separate births, and that is not water birth back there. We're going to baptize in a minute. That is not water birth. Don't let anybody ever tell you that that is water birth. My second-born daughter, my second-born child, was born at 9 pounds. And all I could tell you was, when my wife's water broke, that baby was coming. And the nurse told me, the baby's coming, honey. That's what she told me. And the baby came. Thank the Lord for her. Okay? If, unless you're born of water, that's natural birth. All of you have been born of water. And of the Spirit. You have to have both births. So there's some point in your life where as you're walking along this, thing, this pathway of life that you meet... The Lord Jesus Christ. For Saul, it was on the road to Damascus. And when he met Christ, his life completely changed. His life turned. and Now he's not walking alone anymore. He's walking for the Lord and he's walking in the Lord's direction. God said, go into Damascus. That's where he went. He got baptized in Damascus. You could see it there. He was baptized in water in verse number 18. And he started following the Lord, and this man wrote most of the New Testament. He started churches. He witnessed to the Lord. He saw many, many people get saved. He suffered for the Lord, and he, he actually gave his life for the cause of the Lord. By the time that Paul got to the end of his life, because his name got changed from Saul to Paul, he was the one who said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He's a long way from breathing out threatening and slaughter against the Lord. Well, what we have today is a lot of people who've claimed that they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and their life has never changed since their supposed Damascus Road experience. They don't love the Lord. They don't love the book. They don't love His people. They don't love the Lord's music. They don't love the preaching of the Word of God. They have no desire for the things of God, and yet they say, I had a Damascus Road experience. Something's wrong. Now, you could be, you could be backslidden. It's possible that you received the Lord Jesus Christ and you received Him for real and that you've fallen out to the wayside. But there are some people, if they were honest, they've never known Christ. They've never received Him as their Lord and Savior. And if they were to die right now, they wouldn't know where they were going. And I'm here to tell you today, friend, I have good news for you. Jesus Christ loves you. The preaching of the cross is not to condemn people. Now the Bible says this, that he that believeth on him is not, con- is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. I don't preach to condemn people. Jesus, in fact, the Bible said that I didn't come here to condemn people. You remember there was a woman who was taken the act of adultery and thrown before the Lord. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, no, man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. You know why Jesus said that? Because he didn't come to condemn sinners. He came to save sinners. So if you're a sinner in the church house today, you've never been saved by the grace of God. Can I encourage you to be saved? I can't do it for you, and the Lord won't do it for you either. It's going to take you. Getting saved takes an act of will on your part. You have to come to the Lord. Jesus said that, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord will give you enough faith to make that first step. There could be somebody in here today, and you don't know that you're saved. And if that's your story, I hope that you're going to be like Saul. You came in here, and you were not part of the family of God. But then, by the time you leave, you're, you're going to be called brother. Or sister, God can do that in your life. It's amazing to me how that the, the this man named Saul, he was changed so much. He was changed at the end of his life. Every salvation experience, we know that you're going to have something on your road that's just like this Damascus road. One day you were without Christ, and when you came into contact with Christ, you got saved. There should be some people in this room today who can remember. I remember when I got saved. I can, we, we used to sing a song out of the Green Book, I can tell you now the time, I can take you to the place where the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace. In my, in, my, in my experience, I sat in a building that had a ceiling much like this one with these pillars, and I sat on the left side of the preacher, and as he was preaching, I knew I was lost. And I came down at the altar call, and I knelt down at the right hand side of that altar, and it was there. When I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he saved my never dying soul. He saved me right there. I knelt down lost and I got up saved. Never been the same since. Not been perfect since, but I'm thankful that I'm saved. You know, once you get saved, you can't never be lost again. You know, once saved, always saved is what we preach. I always preach if saved, always saved. Some people thought they got saved, they didn't. If Christ is inside you, you're going to have the witness of the Spirit. No preacher can tell you that either. I want everybody in this church to know that it's not my job to assure you of salvation. As a matter of fact, I can't tell you if you are saved. But I know one who can. It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you're child of God, that the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit that you are the child of God. Certain things a pastor can't do. And certain things that I shouldn't do. And I shouldn't be assuring anybody that they're saved because only that person in the Lord knows. Now, you can look at somebody's track record, like Lois and Eunice in the scripture, and Paul said, I'm confident, Timothy, that you got the same faith as them, but he saw that after many years of observing their life. What I'm saying here today is, there should be a moment in your life, if you're saved, that your life took on a new direction when you met Christ. Is that your your story today? And I also want to tell those of you who are saved this today. Some of you are going through heavy burdens because people in your life are not saved. If there was ever a story in Scripture that you should take hope in, is that the person who appears to be furthest away from the Lord, the person who appears to be unsavable, if there was any person in the Scripture who would have been, not even the church believed that Saul could be saved, This man Ananias was a God-fearing man and even he argued with the Lord and the church itself had a problem with receiving Saul. They didn't believe it. This was how far he was. There could be somebody in your life who's so far and you've almost given up hope that God could ever save them. Don't you quit praying. Don't quit believing because the Lord can save somebody like Saul. He can save anyone. You might be sitting in here today and you say, well, I don't believe the Lord could save me. I've been too bad. I've done too many things. No, don't you believe that for a second. If the Lord has spoken to your heart today, I pray that during this invitation that you'll respond to him by coming. You say, I don't know how to get saved. Well, come on down here. I'll pray with you. I'll show you from the scripture how you can be saved. If you need to be saved today, don't leave this building without the Lord. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare to receive or as we prepare to have this verse of invitation I wonder if there's somebody here today say you know as you were preaching about salvation I don't know the lord I've never been saved I want to tell you this the lord loves you the good news is that Jesus came and he died for all of your sins Every single sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future, was paid for by Jesus Christ on Calvary. Now the issue is, is, was that blood that he shed, has that been applied to your account? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Have you ever come to the Lord in faith and trusted him to save you? Had your sins forgiven? As we play this number, maybe there's somebody in here who needs to come and receive the Lord. Could be somebody in here who's got someone heavy on their heart. As we play this number, if God spoke to your heart, won't you come?
1: If you're lost, won't you come? I don't know the Lord, but I
0: want to know the Lord. We'll meet you down here. Maybe you need to pray for a loved one today. You've got a loved one, Pastor.
1: They're far from the Lord. Don't quit praying for them. Keep believing. Our God can touch a heart that's far from Him. As we
2: sing. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power
0: shame. Somebody to pay for all your sins and not be saved. Why don't you go ahead and be seated at this time. We're going to prepare for baptism. I'm going to call Brother uh, John up to come and lead a couple of songs while we're getting changed. And then we're going to be baptizing in just a moment. Brother John, come on.
2: Let's
3: turn in our hymn books to page 25. Page 25, Brother Bujack was talking about the family of God. We'll sing that. The family of God. I'm sorry, 23. Page 23 the family of god <clears throat>
2: sing with me i'm, I'm so
3: 225 in the meantime. 225. Hold to God's unchanging
2: changing Sing with me. Tom-
3: his hand first 88 sweet Beulah land those requests handy. We'll sing another song here in just a moment. 281, Jesus Saves.
2: We have come.
3: 65. Brother Lonnie, you may not remember, but the rule is if I don't know it, you gotta lead it. How great thou art. I think I know this one. Can we get these lights turned on here on the side? How
2: great thou art.
3: 70. I'm sorry. I'm hard of hearing. I'm getting older. Page 70, 70. Let's stand one more time.
0: Francis and Miss Michelle to come on up. They're going to stand up here and we're going to extend the right hand of fellowship to this dear sister who's become a part of this church family. Aren't you thankful that uh, we're able to experience such a wonderful day together? You are not dismissed until you come down here and shake her hand. And so uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and uh, we're going to ask God's blessing on her and her walk with Christ and on the church And uh, don't forget, we have services again tonight at 6 p.m. Please be back if you can be. We'd sure like to uh, see you back in the Lord's house. And we thank you for your attendance today. We're going to ask Brother Mark Davison if you dismiss the service in prayer, please.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the wonderful service that we've had so far. Thank you for this life that is uh, Francis and... We thank you for the baptism we've seen today. We thank you, Lord, for our opportunity to be a blessing to her. I pray, Lord, that you bless her life. We the encourage you continue to grow in your words. Lord, I thank you for our church. We thank you for the services today. We thank the words that we've heard with your word today and apply it to our hearts, Lord. Bless us now as we go home. bring us back to...